0: the next two weeks, I wanted to talk about this idea of partnership. And so, I'm going to use the whiteboard again. Last week, I had kind of a lame drawing. Forgive me. Um, I have a better one this week. Scoot it back. Whoa. Partnership. And so, I want to hit this because I just feel this tension. And I feel a tension in where we're at, kind of where we're at in the city, where we're at in the church, and, and the tension is a lot of times we don't know really what partnership is meant to look like as a follower of Jesus, and so there's two parts of partnership, one is the personal dynamic of partnership, and then one is the corporate dynamic. Um, so often in our culture, we talk about personal things, right, Jesus for you and your life, and, and every advertisement is meant to help you be a better person, but with Jesus, it's not just about us, it's him. And it's each other, and we're partnering together with him. And so before we start spreading out with all these different house church communities, I wanted to hit this for a couple of weeks. And also a reminder for us of who we are, what we're called to do, and just really get back to alignment of what are the first things that, that we're meant to do as believers. Okay? So that's partnership. So this week is going to be about the call of partnership. And next week is going to be about this idea of covenant 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 with the lord covenant with each other which is really important Um, so father i pray you guide this time we have um, this this idea of partnership let it be clear to us i pray today holy spirit you speak to each one of us that we will know we will know the call and i pray today even that will remind us of who we are of what you've spoken and of how we grow in the call of jesus so we pray that in jesus name amen amen No, I'm going to use this Bible. All right, so in Matthew 4, if you guys have your Bible, go to Matthew 4. And then we're going to go to Song of Solomon 2. So Song of Solomon's in the Old Testament. It goes Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. So we'll go there, and then we're going to go to Matthew 4. I love this story in Matthew 4. It's very simple. But it's the call of the first disciples. And as you know, the first thing Jesus did when he got baptized, he said when he began his earthly ministry, he went in the desert for 40 days and he journeyed, um, and then he came back and he started choosing people and calling them. Um, and these were not the high educated, they were the random hodgepodge group um, all over the place. And these were the first disciples, they were the first of many. Um, in Jesus' day, there wasn't just there was 12 core ones, but it said there were crowds that followed him. There were men, there were women. And there was this call of Jesus that he started and he continued, and it's still something that we can receive to this day. And it's very simple, but I want to read it in this. Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with, his, with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. And so Jesus very simply didn't take a lot of time explaining to these guys who he was or what he was doing, but he had this simple idea, and it was, right? Come, come, come. And they all had their their own lives. They weren't just waiting around on the side of the street. They weren't even looking for Jesus. They were doing their thing. Those fishermen weren't just out fishing for fun. This was their profession. Their dad was their apprentice. This was their livelihood. And so they had nets. They had boats. This This is what they were going to do for their whole life. And Jesus just spoke to them. And I love that. And he speaks to us today in the same thing. And isn't that a lot of your guys' stories? Where you're walking, you're doing your life, you're trying to figure it out in yourself, and all of a sudden you get this nudge, this nudge of the Spirit. And it's the drawing of the Lord. And he says, come, right? Come, 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 be with me. And that's that idea. He said, come, be with me. And I, I view that call as a call of intimacy come, join me, be part of that, be part of my life, and do that, and, and there's very other, there's many times in the scripture where it says he called his disciples to be with him, be with him, and have time with him, and they started journeying, and, and it wasn't just come, but then it was come and follow me, okay? If it was just come, it could be just like, yeah, okay, we'll come, we'll see you, but it's like, no, I want you to come, be with me. And then I'm going to go places, <laughs> and you got to follow. You know It's not just be with me, but it's be with me all the time. <laughs> and so then they started following him, and that's I, I don't know how long it doesn't say Jesus was there. you know it would have been kind of funny if he would just sat there come, and then they' come and then, all right, follow me. <laughs> it's like, you mean like all, right now, like really? And you see that there was numerous times that Jesus called other disciples, and they were like, "I want to come. And I want to follow you, but I got a lot of other things going on. And Jesus didn't give, like, a lot of reasons. He didn't, okay, cool, you got to go take care of that. Well, meet me down in the corner, right? He just said, no, come follow me now. Come. And so this is, like, the initial call that we all have to respond to. This call of of responding to be with Jesus and then a response to follow Jesus. Okay? I know I've taught on this before. I know you guys all probably already know this. But in this are two things that are very important because there's the initial call, but really I found every day it's a continual call to come and follow him and to come and follow him and to come and follow him. And so this is like the day you say yes to come and follow him initially is the beginning of the continual path of coming to Jesus and following him, right? And so coming to Jesus is this call of intimacy, but then following Jesus is the call of obedience, Right? Um, It's also a call of stewardship. Okay, so if we're here. So it's a call of being aligned with the Lord and walking in intimacy. And then it's the call of following him. And so this is our life. It's kind of this vertical life with Jesus and then a horizontal life with obedience and with other people. You know, you guys with me? Um, and so it's a twofold call. You don't just do one or the other. But in our lives, we can get off balance a lot of times. And even in the body of Christ, we can have groups of people that are all about go, 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 do, 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 go and do all the time. And then there's group people that are just like, just soak, man. Just rest. Just get on your face. And so are both true? Yes. But they're both true together. They're not independent. Now, even in what we're doing, it's this prayer house and a missions thing and You know, you got the missions people that are like, man, you guys are just so lazy by praying all the time. Like, go out and get your hands dirty, right? Go do stuff. And we do. But, you know, you can do a lot of stuff, and your heart grows cold while you're doing stuff, okay? And so you can follow him without being with him, and Jesus gave a warning about that in Matthew 7. It's just such a warm, fuzzy warning, and he said, many, many will say, Lord, Lord, Lord. Then we do all these miracles. Then we all said, "Behold, I never knew you." Right? I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you. Okay. So there's a warning that we can do stuff for God, but when you start doing stuff for God and you're not with Him, we call that burnout. Right? When you start, when you're out there, because you start walking in something, or you think you have to do it for Him, and then we get into a spot where we're wow, we're We're taking care of everyone else, but our own heart isn't taken care of, right? So we can go to burnout, but we also can be in the same tension over here where we can be near him, and we're near him, and we love this, and we love it even more, and and then we get into the comfort zone, right? And we can get stuck there. And this is what Song of Solomon 2 is about, getting out of your comfort zone, and I want to read Song of Solomon 2. So I'm using Song of Solomon now as the paradigm of Christ and the church, of the bride being us and Jesus. So the he, we're talking about Jesus, okay, God, lover, um, the she is the bride, and Song of Solomon is this beautiful picture. It has natural ramifications and spiritual ramifications, um, but it's all this love story. And in the love story, um, the first part of her journey is a journey of, of diving into the, the intimacy with, with him, with the beloved. And so in Song of Solomon 2, it talks about this, and I want to read some of it. It says, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns is my daughters among the young women. Like an apple tree amongst the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I'm faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Right? Isn't this beautiful? Um, So see where she's at here. Where is she? She's in, like, an intimate place, like in a bridal chamber. It's comfortable. She talks about a bed and and the comfort of that. Then she talks about being underneath an apple tree, Right? So she's kind of in the shade, in the enjoyment of this life, and getting fed with the grapes and apples, you know, just loving it, and, and kind of like, I don't want to leave this. Don't arouse or awaken love. Like, just keep me here forever, right? And this is a good spot to be. We have to learn this. We have to develop this idea of intimacy with Jesus, that, it, that he wants to, us to know him. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to develop roots in our life, in his love, and his spirit, and, and knowing his word, and... And doing this, and I, and I say this because I feel like there's a lot of people that get into comfort zones that aren't even truly Jesus comfort zones. It might be a, a Christian environment, it might be a church where you get comfortable and you're actually getting fed on secondhand information that someone else is giving you, or you're, you're getting encouraged by the environment, and so the Lord wants to move you from getting encouraged by an environment purely as your source to having him be your source, and having him be the roots of your life, and I believe in these days of shaking, what he's going to do in our lives is he's going to reveal the roots. He's going to reveal the roots and what roots were built by him. You know, what roots were built by time in the word, right? Time in understanding how to hear his voice, right? Time with prayer. Okay? You guys with me? And so this is very important because as he starts shaking, even other environments, we have to go to him as our source. And we have to learn to rest in that. But as we start resting in that, he, he will challenge the comfort zones. Right? And there's a lot of believers. I don't have anywhere to draw this. Um, I'll just draw it down here. Sweet. Okay. So they start off strong. Maybe they're, you know, they're lost. Okay, that says lost, by the way. Okay. Broken. They're, they're struggling. All right, all of a sudden, then they get saved, okay? They get found. They, they experience forgiveness. They experience like, wow, I can, I'm like, today's a new day. My life, all my mistakes are gone. I'm cleansed. I'm, I'm healed or like I have a new perspective. And then they start growing. Maybe they start seeing community and, and all this stuff, Jesus, and they kind of have, I have new friends now. I have new encouragement. Are you getting that? But then all of a sudden, we have to be careful because there's a vortex right here. Okay? And the vortex is consumer Christianity. Uh oh. And it's Jesus for me. All right. So, because we get into the spot where, man, I've experienced Jesus and I love him, and it's just about my life. And we have to be careful because we can even be around. People and teachers that always talk about what Jesus is doing for you. Ten ways to spiritual success, financial success, ten steps of freedom. Make your life better now and tomorrow and the next day. Like, And i got to tell you guys, it's not about us. It's not Jesus for us, okay? It's not. It is, but it's not, right? That's part of the story. But if it only gets to that, we can never hear anything. We can try all the spiritual gimmicks we want, We are gonna not be satisfied, and we're gonna fall in the vortex of consumer Christianity. Okay? And we're gonna be stuck. And there's whole groups of people that are stuck in this, and they get mad at everyone else for not doing things the way they want. It's mine. All right. So, okay. I'm not that passionate about that. I could care less. Just kidding. Jesus is so great, though. He's so faithful, and He knows that this is not why we're created. It's not our kingdom. It's not meant to sit in the comfort zone. So he calls us out, and he called out the bride. He called out the beloved in this. And in verse 8, it says, listen, my beloved, look, here he comes. So she's thinking, like, let's go back to the apple tree and hang out and read poetry. You know, like, let's, let's do that, have some grapes, apples. No, it's like, now he's leaping across the mountains, bounding, right, over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. She's like, oh, he's cute over there doing his thing. Look, there he stands behind our wall. So she thought there was a wall, which I'll call the comfort zone, and now Jesus is over here, right? He's leaping. Oh, that's our, what's he doing outside? Why does he come back? And so it says, gazing through the window, peering through the lattice, my beloved spoke and said to me, arise, my darling." My beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. A season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling. My beautiful one, come with me, right? So you see, it's the same call of coming, but now it's come with me over here, okay? Follow me. Partnership, right? Over here, let's go check out this. Let's go see this. And so now Jesus now is a different picture than she knew. She knew him as a savior, the comforter, the friend, the intimate friend, right? Now he's the king. (laughs) He's leaping over the mountains. And if you want to take that as a spiritual picture, Jesus is overcoming strongholds and obstacles, and he's wanting us to arise and go with him and, and journey with him to be king of kings and lord of lords and to partner with him. And to go with him on this journey of, of spreading his name across the earth, right? And so she thought it was cute. And then he says to her, My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that, vineyards that are in bloom. And then she responds, My beloved is mine. And I am his. He browses among the lilies. And I want to stop there for a second. Because don't you see there? She uses that phrase. She says, my beloved is mine, right? My beloved is mine. And then she also says, I am his. The cool part about the Song of Solomon is as you progress through the Song of Solomon, she starts using that phrase more. She says, I'm his. And he's mine. But at first it's like, he's mine. All right, I got to find my place here. Then she says, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn my lover and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged, rugged hills. So, what she does is she's like, Okay, you go ahead. You go do all that stuff. Go, go. I'll stay here. She said, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, signifying like she's still in the shadows, right? She still has some kind of darkness. She's afraid. She's scared. And he sees that in her. He's like, She's in the clefts of the rock. Come out. Let me see your face. Don't be afraid. Don't hide. Come on out. And then as you progress through the Song of Solomon, the next verse, she says, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. So do you see what they're talking about here? She used to find Jesus on the bed, the comfort zone. But now Jesus is on the mountains, and she says no to him on the mountains. Then the next verse, she's like, well, let's go back to the bed because that's where he is, and all of a sudden, he's not in the bed anymore. Are you getting that? Of course he's not in the bed. He was just in the mountains. Come on. Get it going. But can't we relate? Can't we relate? <laughs> he starts spurring us on to be partners, right? Spurring us on to obey. Spurring us on to, to follow him. To go out and a and journey. And that's what this is. This is a journey. It's a call of walking with Jesus and partnering with Jesus. Partnering with him to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a call of obedience. It's a call of going out and doing whatever that is, right? And if you forget to do or obey, then you're going to be discontent. And you might be comfortable for a while, but you're also going to be discontent. Are you getting that? But if you skip this step and you just go to this, believe me, you will be burned out. You will be burned out. And I just wanted to speak this to you guys today to remind you of the call. It's very simple be with Jesus and follow him. Be with Jesus, and follow him. Be with him, and follow him. Be with him, and follow him, all right? Be with him, and follow you. So, it's deep, and it's wide, and it's both at the same time, Um, but I wanted to say a couple things that I want to encourage us as a community, in. how do we grow in partnership with Jesus? Because this is what we're called to do. We're called to be partners, and as we start doing these house churches, we're going to have less boundaries about, like, who's doing what? Like, you guys, we're all going to bring stuff, spiritually and naturally and you got something to offer and so really like and this is what I find in an idealistic worldview of a lot of Christians is we think we also think we can go out and do all this cool stuff for God without spending time with him and hearing his voice and knowing his word and we're waiting for this like massive awesome assignment but we're not preparing our roots so if you don't prepare your roots and you go out and he says like Rick Riles go talk to the the embassy, talk to the leader of South, in North Korea. Encourage believers. What are they going to do? They're only going to see you for an hour. Give them something that's going to last them three months in foxholes, right? This has to happen in the secret place with Jesus. you got to have something in there, deep roots, right? Knowing his word, growing in the spirit, all right? Then you can contribute. And so my challenge as I was thinking about us today with the call is just to remember this. First things first, Okay? First things first. What I mean by that is remember time with Jesus. Remember your own time with Jesus, okay? It's, it's essential. And I believe in these days, we each have to dig that well in our own heart every day. We have time with him. Get in the quiet place, the secret place, right? Matthew 5, Matthew 6, secret place. Time with the Lord. Get in there. Dive into his word, right? Ask the Lord, show me, Lord, who you are, right? Get quiet, And this is going to be a tension for us all because of technology, because of how quick the pace of life is, because everything happens really fast, and we're going to have to intentionally slow our life down to remind ourselves it's about him, knowing him, growing in him. Let that take time, okay? It's like spiritual gardening, right? You can't plant, and tomorrow you have fruit, right? It takes time. Cultivate this, cultivate this, cultivate this. That's why we're doing a house of prayer. Cultivate a life with Jesus, right? So spend time with him. And then also part of this first things first is remind, I, I just even if you're struggling right now with burnout, just say Lord, what have you spoken to me? What have you already called me to do? Because most burnout in life is we start just getting really busy and then we don't even remember the, the couple things He asked us to do. So rem, Lord, who are you calling us? Who are you calling me to be? What are you calling me to do? One thing I've been saying the last two years, and I give it to myself is like a big white sheet with no on it, and I just give it to each of us because. I like to make people happy. <laughs> I like to say yes. And if I do say yes, I'll say maybe. Or I'll say hopefully we can. And I'll think of a lot of hopefully's. But you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is if the Lord's not calling you to do something, just say no right away. And it'll save you a lot of burdens. And some of you guys might feel bad about quitting things that you need to quit right now. But if your life is too busy, you have to say no to things. And you have to violently guard your life. Guard your soul. Guard your emotions, right? No one can guard them for you. You have to guard them. And we have to say no to a lot of really good stuff so that we can be who the Lord wants us to be. It's not the bad stuff. It's the really good stuff. It's really good say no to that. Um, and also, I would say for the first things first, what do you need to confess or repent of before the Lord? We have to get used to repenting. <laughs> okay? If there's sin that's, that's hindering this relationship, it's gonna, we need to keep this clean in our life, our time with the Lord. And I would encourage you, quick confession, quick repentance. Okay, Quick. Just get used to it. Daily confession, daily repentance. Just get used to that, okay? Our hearts are dark and he's cleaning us up, but we have to get back to this. All right? So that's what I would say first, things first, is with our lives. And then the second thing I would say is part of this partnership is learn to contribute. Okay, and here's what I mean by that is part of this journey that we're going on is we need to learn to take what the Lord's doing in our lives and start to contribute and share that with other people, okay? Learn to contribute. Learn to bless other people. Learn to share out of the overflow. And I had a friend who always said that to me growing up. Like, it's the overflow, Chad. You need to get in the overflow of what God's doing. And and I found that you don't have to have a lot of overflow, but you need a little bit. (laughs) And you just share out of that. Because as we're going to gather, we're going to start having times of like, what's the Lord saying to you? What's a word of encouragement? And so how do we learn to share? And that's where before you, in your mind, imagine these big, great things, the 15,000 prayer, person prayer meetings. If you just start learning to share with two or three people, there's power in that. And there's encouragement, so much encouragement. Okay. So what can you share? I'm going to just go through this really quick. Um, here's what you can contribute with other people. Um, Number one is a testimony, simple testimony of the Lord's dealing with you in your life. What's the Lord challenging you in? What's the Lord said to you? How's the Lord provided? And so as you start experiencing Jesus, you just share out of that. And testimonies travel. Testimonies go to believers and unbelievers, right? Testimony. Um, Then second, I would say, is um, teaching scripture. How do you start sharing scripture? What God's showing you in his word. How do you take a scripture and share it? And I would encourage you guys, um, if you don't know where to start, um, a place I love going is you go to BibleGateway.com, BlueLetterBible.com. There's great resources. Take a scripture, look it up in a couple different translations, and just ask the Lord, Lord, show me, teach me, teach me, Lord, feed me, okay? You can also look up certain, you know, you get into Psalm 37, like that day of famine, um, Look up that word. See where it else is, right? So you're going to learn, but then you also have something to share with other people, right? And there's nothing better. So we have to get out of our mindset of, like, the 40-minute eulogy that you need to prepare, okay? You don't have to do that anymore, okay? I will very rarely actually do that. These are, the days are numbered of my 40-minute eulogy. Um, but it's like learning that, like, you have something to share. And, it, and in five minutes, someone else will be able to understand it. And if it's too long, they might forget all, the whole thing. <laughs> but you have something to share. And then it also builds something in your own life. Are you guys with me? Okay, I got a couple more minutes, but you can keep playing. Um, <laughs> but read the, com- you know, you can read commentaries on it. If you go to Bible Gateway or Blue Letter Bible, you look up a verse, commentaries. You see what other people have said about it, right? What they learn, And I'm telling you guys, it becomes an adventure in your own life. If you've been bored with, like, the little five-minute devotion in your own life, like, just dive in and you start seeing all of this stuff. And the Lord it will be your teacher. It says in 1 John that you don't need anyone else to teach you. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And so we have to believe that when we spend time with the Lord, the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. Okay? You guys got it? So let him teach you. And I would say journal it. Write it down. Write down prayers. I would also say, don't be surprised if you get dreams or visions, okay? The Lord wants to speak through dreams and visions, and that might be freaky for some people, but I'm standing on dreams that have happened years and years, and even in this season, it's been crazy. There's been, like, overlapping dreams. You know, I think I told you guys when I moved here in June of 2011, or actually, before I moved here, I got a dream, and in the dream, there's all this crazy stuff that happened, and the Lord said... I'm raising up Daniels in this generation like the sons of Issachar that know the times and the seasons that are and he said seven years of preparation for seven years of famine and uh, I was like okay great that was June of 2011 and I knew that something was going to happen in in June of 2018 I didn't know what but the last day of June of 2018 is when we got the announcement from Dean that he's having to step down and all this and and in my mind I was like okay seven years of preparation here we go but I was like what is famine like I don't like that word. Why am I preparing for famine? But as we read Psalm 37, it says, in the days of famine, you're going to enjoy plenty. And I really believe that in the days of famine, spiritually around us, as we grow in Jesus, people are going to be more hungry than they've ever been before. And they're going to be looking not to someone else. They're going to look to you. Share with me. Share with me what Jesus is doing, right? And so this is where we just learn. You learn to come to him, and then you start following him. We start contributing, we start encouraging, you know? Even if someone comes to your mind, text them, send them a little message. I'm praying for you, right? I'm just saying, like as we start doing this, we're gonna remind ourselves and it strengthens us of the call of Jesus. Okay? Come and follow, come and follow, come and follow. So I just want to pray for us today, even as we go, that if there's any area that's not aligned in this, that the Lord will remind us and refresh us of this. If there's anything we're afraid of of journeying with the Lord, Um, Like I said, it's a continual thing, but we can't do it as a group until we do it as individuals, right?